Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're back to another Doctor Who episode for Lazy Doctor Who. Indeed we are. At one twenty-three in the morning. Oh, boy. This might be the latest episode we've ever done. Maybe. I'm too tired to remember. We're not here doing um, the story that comes after Celestial Toymaker, though, because life's been busy in the past month. Two or three weeks because we wanted to. We thought we might um, watch an episode at Chicago Tardis, but that never happened. So we only did that. The last episode we've done was the one that we were on the plane, mm-hmm. and then then they were recorded and posted while we were on a plane. That was pretty cool to actually post an episode from thirty thousand feet. That was that was neat. And I I listened to it actually just this week, and it was loud and weird, but you could understand what we were saying, which I was worried you might not be able to. Mm-hmm. The future today. The future, a couple of weeks ago. Whatever day that one, Doctor Who day, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but we're here today to finish off our series one, um, a little mini, what do we call it, mini series that we're doing? Because we're jumping in the middle of our own little Doctor Who marathon to watch this because you're watching it for Verity and now we're done mm-hmm. with Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways. Yep. That's it for, for series one. That's it for Eccleston. He's out. Oh, yeah, he was good. Did you like him? I did. I didn't. I, I mean, I wouldn't say he was my favorite of the the new doctors, but mm-hmm. he was he was good. I mean, I remember when he first regenerated the first time I watched this. Probably the only other time that I watched this again. Uh, yeah, I was really really bummed to see him go. I was I was not happy he had only stuck around for one season, and then he regenerates into this like weird kid, and I was like, what the hell. <laughs> He didn't. Uh, he didn't take too kindly to David Tennant's first uh, few seconds as Doctor Who, or his first few episodes. It took me a while for him to grow on me. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, that's. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Perhaps much later, depending on what Verity does next year. <laughs> um, do, what do you remember of of this upon the original airing? Was do, had you seen this recently since two thousand and five, two thousand six, perhaps when you saw it. No, after watching this now, I think I I kind of assumed that I had rewatched it at some point, but after watching it now, I am certain I have not watched it since the very first time because I remembered zip squat. I mean, I knew there was an episode with uh with like reality TV stuff. I didn't remember it was part of the finale. Um, I knew that the finale had to do with Satellite 5. I didn't remember the lady with all the tubes in her. I knew it had to do with Daleks. I didn't remember. there. Were, there's a friggin' Emperor Dalek. I didn't know that existed. I didn't remember. You don't remember then uh, when it originally aired, when that little um, cliffhanger happened at the end of... What was it now? Was it episode 12? The end of episode 12? Yeah. Oh, boy. The week between Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways. Mm-hmm. There were people thinking... Who is that big booming voice, Dalek? All the fans were wondering on, mm-hmm. on like Gallifrey Base, or maybe it was even oh, post Gallifrey back then, even. And and uh, people would thought it was Davros, of course. That was a natural. Um, a surprisingly large contingent, although probably still a minority, thought it was Adam um, having gained his revenge as Emperor of the Daleks. But it was just an Emperor of the Daleks that we never seen before. Adam, that's that's funny. I fandom that I'm not surprised at all, but fandom, wow. Yeah. Um what else about this? Can let's talk let's go right to the end about the regeneration. Can you imagine if as originally planned that Eccleston leaving would have been a su- 
surprise to everyone instead of being the secret blown being <laughs> blown four days mm-hmm. after the broadcast episode one and everyone would have watched this going what is happening that would have been quite an impact it would have been amazing but it never ever would have happened even if the secret hadn't been blown four days after the first episode aired it would have been blown at some point we live in a world where that kind of a secret just is next to impossible to keep possibly although remember they must have learned a lesson because in 2008 at the end of the stolen earth episode 12 of uh, series four and it ended spoilers for series four uh with david Tennant's doctor about to regenerate and like it made the BBC news. They says David Tennant apparently leaves Doctor Who. Like everyone was like, "What? We never saw any of this coming." So, I think they just learned their lesson because it, rem- it reminds me of um, when the episode when Rose leaked in Canada in March, early March of two thousand five, and the BBC was going, "Okay, hand over the DVD." That that you stole to leak. It says, um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that thing. It was leaked on the internet. What do you mean? How does it leak on the internet? Like what? Like uh, they like mail it around or something? No, like like the people bittorrented it, and that's how people watched it. I don't I don't understand what you mean. So they didn't understand how to keep secrets and didn't understand how secrets were spread back then. So so perhaps if they knew beforehand, they might have been able to. Um, no, you're shaking your head. No, because the only reason they were able to keep the David Tennant thing a secret is because it wasn't actually happening. Like, I mean, if if David Tennant actually was going to be leaving the show Mm -hmm. and they had known that at that time, it would have leaked months before. Mm. I'm saying that that the only reason that everybody lost their crap is because he was actually staying like there, there's no way. I'm, I'm, I'm too tired to explain things. Let's, let's move on. I think I know what you mean. You know, they only shot David Tennant's scene. I think on might have been his birthday, April thirteenth or sixteenth, sometime in April, I think, or maybe his birthday is elsewhere. I think they shot it in mid-April, like after the news had been leaked that Eccleston was leaving. That's only when Eccle, um, David Tennant sort of came in. So, I look forward to that whole first series and the events around it and um you know behind the production of the whole series being made into a book in 20 years time when everyone feels more freely to talk about things <laughs> and how it went down because it's quite fascinating yeah that'd be cool yeah what else about this episode rose she's bad wolf and she breathes uh has like the time vortex <laughs> flowing throughout her what do you think of all that i had i kind of had trouble understanding it the first time i watched this way back when me too me too Okay, well, good. Then I don't feel so bad. I mean, now that I now that I understand it, it's 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 kind of neat. It's it's elegant. I feel like at the time I felt like it was weirdly overpowered for the TARDIS. Like, okay, so Time Lords have access to this kind of technology where they can just literally disintegrate and recreate life and time and stuff. I feel like with all of the crazy shenanigans that have gone on with different Time Lords going rogue and whatnot the fact that this power has not been harnessed in this way before uh, is a little bit suspect, a little bit baffling, you know? Well, that's, I think you could tell that it was probably not an easy thing to sort of open up the TARDIS, the heart of the TARDIS, and, you know, have the time vortex flow through you. Earth people did it. I know. (laughs) We're talking about the people on Gallifrey, the Time Lords, who invented this technology. Like, how did they get it in there in the first place? 
maybe they knew quite uh, quite obviously that doing such a thing would be very very dangerous to them um, because it makes you die yeah and you might possibly regenerate how many times have we seen you know cuckoo time lords do something risky you know the, the master wasn't terribly worried about losing his body he just would go get a new one i don't know about that well okay I, i'm exaggerating there but yeah. but really i mean in all of this time that the time lords have been around there's been nobody who's so uh cuckoo banana pants that they just cracked open their tardis yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and just you know decided to look into the time vortex and just the fact that this existed and was held by an entire race of people who are not entirely trustworthy i mean why didn't they use it to end the dalek or to end the time war in the first place um maybe they didn't have a big giant rig to uh (laughs) pull a cover off the tardis in order to do that i'm not even going to dignify that with a response now some people have said that uh hey how come the doctor gets killed uh and has to regenerate by absorbing the time vortex but rose doesn't what 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 are your what is your opinion of that because i think after watching this and paying close attention to it i think i have an explanation but i want to hear what you think yeah i suppose i mean she has it in her body a lot longer than the doctor does and then he has it in him and then he whooshes it back out into the tardis pretty quickly i i hadn't thought about that until you until you said it, but I would chalk that up to Gallifrey and Time Lord magic, the fact that she's human, somehow he's able to actually remove it from all of her cells somehow, or because he's so bonded with the TARDIS that they've been together for so long that all of that energy, all of the residual bits of it uh, gets whooshed into him, or because at that point he's got everything, you know, the time vortex future past blah 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 that nonsense that rose was saying he's got that all in himself um she was able to bring jack back to life so if he's able to manipulate everything including time why wouldn't he be able to just manipulate the cells in her body and make it so that she had never absorbed the time vortex i don't see why that's a problem at all i hear what you're saying and i, and I like your head cannon that you're mm-hmm. spinning there uh what I noticed this time is that when the TARDIS door opens up and materializes, it opens up, mm-hmm. and Rose like, whoop, and she swoops out there, and you can see him behind her, all the time energy is still behind her and everything like that. Once the doctor absorbs it, the TARDIS isn't glowing anymore. He has it all oh, inside okay. of him, whereas I think Rose is sort of just sort of channeling it, but mm-hmm. it's still coming from behind her, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of that is actually, so it's a lot more that the doctor's mm-hmm. actually absorbing, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought is why he regenerated and Rose didn't die. I think that, that yeah, actually both of ours could be, could be true because that's a, that's a good detail that I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's right. And also, you know, people could still say, well, then why didn't she have any residual effects? Well, probably because the doctor made it not be the case Mm -hmm. if she can get rid of an entire fleet of daleks i think the dalek can take care of the cells in one human being yeah i think so too uh other little tidbits the idea of a um bunch of killer game shows on a space station was one of the first ideas russell t davies had when he thought about doing the uh, the reboot um and so that's that idea was seated very early on in the whole thing all these are game shows that I wasn't necessarily familiar with, especially the, well, I, we knew the weakest link mm-hmm. that was here and big brother 
didn't make much of a splash when it first came over to the U.S. I don't know if it made that much of a splash now since then, but it was a big thing in the U.K. as well. And then there was um, What Not to Wear. Mm-hmm. Not the American version, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I learned about fashion, you know, mm-hmm. with Stacey and Clinton. Um, yeah, the mean version, I did not like the U.S. version. I loved the U.K. version. I used to watch it all the time. Did you really? Where did you used to watch it? On BBC America. Oh, do they have it? Mm-hmm. Oh, they did when we first got BBC America. Yeah. Oh. So I used to watch What Not to Wear all the time and I liked it because then I saw the US version and I was like, these people are terribly mean. The UK version was like, they were they were funny and they were wisecracking, but they weren't doing at it like at the expense of the person who mm-hmm. was, you know, having their wardrobe changed around. And the US version was much just, I don't know, it was, it was mean. I didn't, I didn't like it. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't good. I, I and as for Big Brother, I was a big. I I liked Big Brother uh, season four. That was my oh. season that I watched pretty religiously. Um, I had never really watched it before that, or didn't much after. Actually, I watched the like, re, like, Champions season, which was like two or three after that, just because I wanted to see my favorite people returning from season right. four. But yeah, so Big Brother was a that was a pretty big deal when it came to the U.S. When it first started, actually, it I think it made a big splash in the states because. Because it was just like this, people were like, the fact that they were on camera all the time, that was just, the people that I was hanging out with just thought that was, nobody wanted to watch it. None of my friends wanted to watch it at the time. But they thought it was kind of just a a crazy idea of, you know, Big Brother is watching. You know, it's named that for a reason. Willingly aping Mm -hmm. 1984. Yep. Humans. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, we knew the weakest link. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other ones that they mentioned and talked about, I didn't actually know. Countdown is one I've heard um, the people from England mention, I think, in the past. I think Nicholas Parsons was host of that. I could be wrong about that. He who was the reverend in the curse of Fenric. I knew who you meant when you said Nicholas Parsons, but oh. I don't know about Countdown. Speaking of uh, people who appeared in Sylvester McCoy episodes, female programmer, one of the more major guest roles in this, uh, in this and she's not even named, female programmer she was named. Oddly enough, Davidge Pavel. The, the other programmer, the male guy who introduced himself to Captain Jack, is credited as male programmer. <laughs> Boo. Anyway, female programmer was played by, I, I think it was Nisha Nair, I think was her name. She appeared as an extra as a Red Kang in Paradise Towers, like uh, almost 20 years before this. Oh my God. Well, Red Kangs are best. Because <laughs> she survived. <laughs> it's nice that Rose is also selective, by the way. I think I'm just going to save, I'm going to just bring Jack back to life. Unless, of course, we never see the rest of them. So perhaps she brought like everyone back to life. And Patterson Joseph is now uh, floating around, still shouting for his money mm-hmm. after all these years. And none of them can die. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. No, probably Jack was, because well, remember Jack was, was saying last man standing and he ran. <clears throat> so he was the only one that was actually like on the same floor as them. Right. And only one that she could, you know, there may have been some sort of eye line or something. I don't know. You think there's like a Wi-Fi range to her um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so if it was only like five floors, basically. I mean, she was able to get the whole Dalek fleet, but then, uh, you know, I feel like it's easier to, to destroy something than it is to create something. Mm-hmm. So the destructive field goes much farther. The creation field is is uh, smaller. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I think this might be, upon watching it again tonight, both parts we watched, I think this might be my favorite of the Russell T. Davies era finales. 
I think it's one of the, I think it's very tightly constructed and you can tell that he sort of had an idea about the whole season as a whole. Whereas I think later on, I think, you know, there's an emotional wallop to the end of Army of the Ghost and Doomsday. And I think the next two are kind of a bit of a shambles at times. So that's why I think this one's good. What, what, what say you? I don't know. I'm, I'm not so much for ranking things anymore. No. Um, good. I do agree that this is very good. I mean, at the time, I loved Doomsday so much. That's the only Doctor Who that I've ever finished and immediately started over again. Mm-hmm. That's the only one I've ever done. Just because, especially at that time, it was it was a not good time in my life. Like, really capital N, capital G, not good. Um, so the emotional catharsis of the just snotty, dripping, ugly crying that was happening. Um, I needed I needed that really bad. So I, I think I would have to, to re-watch Doomsday to know <laughs> if, 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 like, you know, where it fits in because it, all my memories of it are very much tainted by my emotional state at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and But one thing, actually, speaking of other RTD finales, I realized that the Doctor really, in some ways, doesn't change that much between here and... And Eccleston, because he basically does the same thing to Rose and to Donna, decides to save them against their will. Like, he does exactly the same thing, um, because Rose doesn't get a choice, and she is forced to go away. It's just the difference is that that the thing to be done to save her life doesn't involve stealing all of her memories or covering them up or whatever. Martha is the only companion who really has any agency in the uh, RTD era. As far as the way that they leave, yep. Yeah. That is true. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this? Uh, or anything else you want to talk about and not save for Verity <laughs> in uh, a little over <laughs> nine hours time, eight hours time? Oh, dear. <laughs> should be sleeping. Uh, this was this was actually, this was really good. I found it more captivate, captivating than, than I expected. Mm-hmm. It was... I found it hard to take notes because I just wanted to keep watching. So I think, you know, people sometimes ask, oh, what's your favorite episode from series one? And I usually say, you know, Dalek or sometimes I feel like um, Empty Child, Dr. Dances. Maybe Empty Child, not so much Dr. Dances. Um, but no, actually, I think this two-parter is, is actually my favorite. It feels like by this time they've really got the hang of how to make doctor who it does feel you're right it's it's tightly constructed and it is all of these characters sort of coming together and you know doing what they were created for it's it's nice even if the tardis is ridiculously overpowered a little bit perhaps they sort of play with how powerful and how not powerful the tardis is over the years Mm -hmm. yeah 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 all right. The other thing is that uh, the next Verity won't even be the one you're talking about. This it'll be the week after this. So like this Verity, this Lazy Doctor Who rather is like previewing a Verity from that'll you'll hear in like ten days' time. Mm-hmm. Which is probably good because then I'll just forget everything that I've said here. So who knows? Maybe I'll repeat everything. Maybe I won't say anything the same. It'll be it'll be a fresh thing for me. Maybe that way you can get some sleep during the actual recording because you <laughs> might need it. Oh boy! Yeah, I'm going right to bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good night then. Good night.